Hi, welcome to The Breakdown, where we discuss important news of the day with allegiance to nothing but evidence, reason, and a willingness to consider new ideas critically, but with an open mind. I'm James Sayer, your host. Today we discuss the early lessons from COVID-19. It's been over six months since the first documented cases of COVID-19 were confirmed in the United States, and in that time, over 645,000 people worldwide have died from the virus, with the most deaths by far occurring in the U.S., currently over 149,000. The disease continues to spread across the U.S. and the world, with many states in the U.S. that resisted coronavirus precautions now seeing the worst transmission rates of the disease. In countries such as Mexico, Brazil, Peru, Chile, and India, their transmission rates are now skyrocketing as well, and there appears to be no end in sight to this global pandemic. There's a global race on to develop a vaccine with some promising trials, most notably the Moderna vaccine, which is scheduled to begin phase three testing next week in the U.S. But as of now, the true effectiveness of such treatments is still unclear. So, a lot has happened in a very short time with this newly discovered virus, and we're still learning a lot. But we have learned a great deal already from the crisis that we can take with us to better fight the pandemic and to better prepare ourselves for the next one, because there will be a next one. So what are these early lessons from COVID-19? Well, let's go through them. First, preventative measures make a huge difference in limiting the spread of the virus. Even though it's only been six months since it hit the U.S., the evidence is clear. States, countries, and localities that employ the most extensive preventative measures, states like Oregon and Vermont, or countries like Germany, South Korea, Singapore, New Zealand, and Australia, they've... They've taken measures that include things like testing and contact tracing, temporary business closures, limiting the number of people in a store, requiring people to wear masks and to social distance, that these places have much lower transmission and death rates than the places who do not take such preventive measures. Also, masks actually work at reducing transmission rates. Now, while the early hard evidence for the effectiveness of cloth mask usage in reducing virus transmission rates was quite thin, evidence in recent months has mounted impressively in favor of wearing masks, both in laboratory settings and in studies comparing countries requiring mask usage versus those that do not. As a result of this new evidence, many who virulently opposed mask wearing have finally come around, though regrettably not all. Masks do help slow the spread of the virus, but you have to wear them the right way for them to work. Make sure they fit snugly on your face and that your nose is covered. Way too many people not covering their nose with a mask. Come on, guys. Also, the heat. The heat of summer is not slowing the spread. In hot states and countries, the transmission and death rates continue to rise. Many had hoped that the heat of the summer would bring about an end to COVID-19 and that hotter parts of the U.S. would not see a large spread of the virus. But they have been proven wrong. The heat will not protect you. Also, rural areas are not safe from the virus. Many had thought perhaps rural areas with their wide open spaces would prove to be largely immune from the coronavirus. A look at the high infection rates in Texas, Arizona, Nevada, Alabama, Florida, and Idaho has proven that theory to be false. You are not safe in the country. Now a shout out to Arizona for reduced transmission rates in the last two weeks. It looks like your new coronavirus restrictions are starting to work. So keep it up, Grand Canyon State. Also, cities have not turned into the giant morgues that some thought they would. And most that have taken safety precautions have seen their transmission rates and death rates dramatically drop. 
Most large cities globally that have implemented strong coronavirus preventative measures have massively decreased their transmission rates or prevented the spread almost entirely, such as Los Angeles, New York, or Chicago, or other large cities across the globe that have dramatically limited the spread, like Berlin, Paris, London, and many others. Some of these cities like New York saw huge early transmission and death rates, but they took decisive and disciplined action and have prevented a much larger calamity from occurring and are now cautiously reopening their businesses in many places because of taking these preventative measures. Also, the U.S. has had one of the worst responses to the virus. We have by far the highest death toll and one of the worst transmission rates in the world. The fact that so many Americans and our Republican leaders were so resistant to prevention measures and our government was so unprepared for the pandemic is a serious indictment of our country that we cannot afford to ignore in the name of blind patriotism. We must require a far better response from our leaders and from ourselves. Rates of transmission spread and deaths in other countries that failed to take precautions are also rapidly rising. And here's the question, did we help spread it to these other countries? Like Brazil, who's having a skyrocketing right now. They're at 85,000 deaths currently. And in the next few weeks, they may eclipse the United States by having far more deaths from the COVID-19 than, than we have because of their large cities like Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. Their leader, uh, Jair Bolsonaro, did not take the coronavirus seriously and did not in institute uh, strong pre precautions against COVID-19. And now we're seeing the results of that where they have one of the worst outbreaks of COVID-19 across the planet. So here's the thing. The virus knows no borders, right? So even, if, if, even if we were to eradicate COVID-19 from the United States, it's still in other countries in the world. And all it takes is somebody to come visit from there to bring it right back. So it's important that we do our part to not spread it to other countries in the world, right? That we don't send our sick people over there. And you're seeing that in a lot of European countries. They're not allowing Americans to come visit right now because, because of our high COVID-19 transmission rates. So it's really up to us for our own safety, but also for the safety of our allies and other friends across the world, that we get it under control so we don't spread it to them and they don't have it and they don't come back and then spread it to us. All right. It all comes back to you in the end. Testing. Also, absolutely no guarantee you are not infected with COVID-19. You see, no virus testing is 100% accurate. All tests produce a certain amount of incorrect results false positives and false negatives. Now, scientists from Johns Hopkins Medicine have shown that as many as one in five of the RT-PCR tests for the coronavirus may produce false negatives, which incorrectly inform a patient that they do not have a coronavirus infection when they actually do. And also timing, the timing of tests makes a huge difference. From numerous studies around the world, researchers have found that antibody tests are only likely to be useful in detecting previous COVID-19 infection if they're used at least 14 days after the onset of symptoms. And their findings show that antibody tests are only 90% accurate, which sounds pretty good, but it means 10% of the time the test is wrong. Plus, if your negative test result is accurate, it only tells you that you did not have the virus at the time of testing. As soon as you leave the testing site, you could already have been exposed to and infected by the coronavirus. So don't assume people, 
Don't assume because people have been tested that they are virus-free. There is no way to truly be sure they are clear, especially if they're not remaining isolated. Also, a very important uh, uh, lesson is that science matters. Yes, the evidence is in, folks. COVID-19 is not a hoax or some left-wing conspiracy. The disease is far more deadly than the flu and far more resilient. The states and countries that have doubted the scientific evidence and the testimony of countless medical and disease experts are paying a price for it now, while those who did listen are experiencing much lower COVID-19 death and transmission rates. A healthy distrust of experts and those in power can be a good thing. It can prevent you from being hoodwinked by unethical experts or people in power. The experts and powerful do get it wrong sometimes, and they cannot always be trusted. But your doubt must be based on credible evidence, not baseless claims and wild conspiracy theories without a shred of real evidence. Most scientists, you see, spend decades researching their fields and know a lot more about their specialty than any of us will ever know. If you cannot fairly identify a clear and verifiable reason to distrust expert findings, don't be afraid to have the humility to accept that you do not know everything, that there are others out there who do know more than you, at least on a certain topic, and to benefit from their knowledge by believing believing reliable and credible experts. Also, a very important lesson here, very important and unpleasant lesson is this. We treat our heroes like chumps. We call them our heroes, the people who have not been able to stay home and had to work to keep things running throughout this pandemic. We see signs at hospitals and nursing homes and grocery stores celebrating that heroes work there, but we don't pay them like heroes and we never have. A big reason why there are so many angry people in our society today. They are not being paid fairly for their work or their worth, and they know it. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average full-time grocery store employee earns about 26000 per year. Home health care and elder care workers working full-time make about $27,000 a year. Full-time restaurant and food service employees make less than thirty grand a year. Full-time retail sales will get you about 28000 a year. Retail cashiers make about 24000 and retail clerks come in at the high end at 33000 Not enough money for full-time work, folks, and especially a paltry sum for those risking their lives to do their jobs and keep the economy rolling while so many of us more privileged safely work from home. Time to give these people the raise they deserve and to stop making excuses for being cheap. Also, those who have resisted wearing masks and implementing anti-COVID-19 measures like social distancing have essentially done their best to spread the virus. Thank you for your selfishness and your proud ignorance. Your behavior has truly made us number one in COVID-19 deaths, that is. If you're looking to blame someone for the spread of the coronavirus and the 149,000 U.S. deaths, look no further than the mirror. It was you, anti-masker and anti-social distancer. It was you. Face this ugly truth and change your behavior or risk being relegated to history's long list of scoundrels and fools who failed to behave rightly regardless of how much evidence was presented to them. There is no excuse for not wearing a mask. Or social distancing. Your choices and your behavior are your own. Time to grow up and take responsibility for them. Also, 
new safety measures being implemented now are a really good idea pretty much all the time. Whether it's placing signs in your store, requiring people to wear masks inside and to socially distance, having signs up telling people to keep six feet apart, or requiring employees to wear face masks or face shields, aggressive cleaning of your store, or, or plexiglass shields that we're seeing between us and cashiers everywhere now, these are actually really good ideas to employ. And I kind of wonder why they haven't been already. Not just during the COVID-19 pandemic, but during all cold and virus outbreaks, if not all or at least some of the time. These are cheap and easy solutions that work at reducing the transmission of germs and can make a big difference for public health if, if we just simply continue to use these measures, even once the pandemic is over. Something to think about. The U.S. needs to be a lot more adaptable if we wish to survive and thrive as a nation. Our response has been terrible because we distrust authority and we recoil at restrictions of our personal freedom. Nobody likes being told what to do, especially Americans. We are fiercely individualistic, and that can often be a good thing, to go our own way when we know others are wrong, or to find a new solution to a problem that, that more conventional thinkers did not. But when a disease threatens our public health on a large scale, like the coronavirus, surrendering, surrendering some of your individualism in the name of protecting others is both the right and more effective way to go. Our awful response to the coronavirus has seriously impaired our ability to function as a society. If we are to have a vibrant economy and to enjoy all the benefits our society has to offer, we're going to have to do a much better job at working together, taking care of each other, and respecting the health and well-being of each other. The hard work of fighting the pandemic by medical personnel, scientists, frontline workers, and even everyday Americans just doing their best to wear masks and to socially distance has often been thwarted by those who have refused to take the virus seriously. Yes, yes, we Americans have a lot of work to do. Also, we need leaders, leaders that respect science, hard evidence, and the importance of public safety more than appealing to certain anti-science political interest groups. So vote out all of the others who do not. All of those who don't respect science, who don't respect public health, who do not put the public interest above their, their petty political concerns. Vote them out in November. Also, we need a more effective social safety net for crises like COVID-19. Millions of Americans are struggling to pay their bills after being put out of work due to the coronavirus. This pandemic has exposed how woefully unprepared our 50 states unemployment systems are for handling such a crisis. Many already underfunded unemployment agencies are simply overwhelmed by the number of claims they have been receiving and do not have the resources to keep up with demand. It's time for a systemic overhaul in how our states handle unemployment claims and an increase in the federal unemployment tax, which was last adjusted for inflation in 1983. So, we must do this to ensure our citizens can efficiently get that money that they need to live during a pandemic or some other national crisis. Also, more viruses and diseases are to come. That's right. This is our new reality. There are untold viruses and diseases that have yet even to be discovered. And as, as we continue, as hu humans continue to expand our development into jungles and into previously pristine wilderness occupied only by non-humans, we're going to come in contact with more viruses, more undiscovered viruses and, and, and other illnesses, other diseases. We have to be prepared 
for, for this new reality. Okay, that means we need to ensure proper funding for agencies like NIH and the CDC. And Trump has repeatedly called for budget cuts to both of these agencies. We must make sure that doesn't happen. It's time for we as a people to prioritize the importance of listening to scientific research findings and to ensure these scientists have the resources they need to effectively do their jobs to stop deadly diseases. Also, we could already be past this whole thing if we had done it right. Now, we're seeing many places across the globe reopening their economies in Europe and other places because they decisively took immediate action early against spreading the virus. We could be one of them, but we chose to ignore the warning signs, and we're paying a price for it now with over a thousand deaths per day in the U.S. from COVID-19 every day in the last four days. And there's no end in sight to this pandemic. Also, it's important to remember, those who spent the early days of the virus touting the non-existent benefits of hydro hydroxychloroquine and other untested remedies, sadly, a few of them doctors even, engaged in evidence-free quackery, and it should be stated as such. These so-called experts failed the public by touting solutions unsupported by evidence. They wasted time and they provided hope of a false cure when extreme safety measures were what were needed most critically at the time to slow the spread, and their intellectual credibility is now rightly in tatters. It's important for all of us to identify such false prophets and learn to seriously doubt, if not outrightly distrust, such careless, irresponsible, or unethical people ever again. Also, this is a really, really good wake-up call for all of us. The United States is truly a great country, but our response has been anything but great. Sadly, quite poor. But we can change, and we can learn from our mistakes and ensure that this embarrassing and tragic mistake of horrendous proportions never occurs again. It is within our power, if we so choose it. Well, that's it for this episode of The Breakdown. I hope you found it interesting and got some good ideas for how we can think about dealing with such serious public health threats in the future. On our next episode, we'll discuss the recent findings by scientists that estimate at least 36 different intelligent civilizations could be inhabiting the Milky Way galaxy, as well as the Pentagon's recent statement on being in possession of alien technology from another world. Is evidence mounting of intelligent alien life from other planets? Are we getting ready to finally meet aliens? Are they already here? And if so, how long have they been here? Years? Decades? Centuries? Millennia? Longer? Are these recent UFO sightings by numerous U.S. Navy pilots, the Russians or Chinese, messing with us? Or some kind of U.S. military intelligence-based disinformation campaign? They do happen sometimes. Or is it all just a bunch of wacko bird nonsense? <laughs> yeah, we're going to discuss all this crazy stuff and try and figure it out for you. I hope you join us then. Until next time. Don't believe anything without credible, well-supported hard evidence. And don't be afraid to consider new ideas you have not encountered before. Give their consideration a chance. To reject new ideas too soon is to deprive yourself of ideas and new ways of thinking that could positively transform your life and the lives of others. You can always reject them later if they don't hold up to scrutiny. Thanks again for watching. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.